0: Alan Mead is a dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before, I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, hello and welcome to the Alan Mead Experience. I'm your host, Alan Mead, dentist, podcaster, and roadie to the Alan Parsons Project. I'd like to introduce you to my co-host today. It's a guy we've had on a different podcast that I do. A guy that I've been talking to for quite a few years. His name is Jeff Gladnick. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing very well. Honored to be the co-host. Yeah, that's right. He's up up to the challenge. I'm pretty sure of it. So uh, Jeff is coming to us from Colorado. Uh, Rocky Mountain High, I think, probably right. And uh, new kinds of high yeah, lately. That's <laughs> right. Quite a bit of that, actually. Interesting that you bring that up. That's. Uh, I think we might have to talk about that. So um, he
1: just survived the hailstorm of the century, apparently. Um uh, it, was, it was disastrous. We had property every tree. Every tree I can see has lost like eighty percent of its leaves. That's crazy. So what? What part of Colorado are we talking about here? I'm in Denver.
0: Oh, okay. So you are, you really are. You're yeah. in the mile high city approximately mm-hmm. 1 mile. How about that? And yeah. hailstorm, interesting. So, hail is not a common thing there is what I'm hearing?
1: No, it's pretty regular, but it's not this bad. We usually have bad storms like that uh this time of year, but it doesn't usually destroy the roof. That's crazy. That is
0: freaking nuts. All right, so uh Jeff has a connection to dentistry. He has multiple connections to dentistry actually. For one thing, he's a dentist's kid, and I I think I'm going to dig into that a little bit because we're both dentist kids. Uh, but also, he happens to run a company by the name of Great Professional Websites. When I first knew him, it was just Great Dental Websites, but now it's Great uh, it's, it's actually methods.
1: still Great Dental Websites. Is that At right? That's the point, website? Yeah, if, if they're
0: looking for you? Okay.
1: We have a DBA, his Great Dental Websites, and the company's always just been Great Dental Websites. Uh, legally, we're incorporated as Great Professional Websites. Nobody cares about this. But.
0: So, so did, here's the question, though. I mean, do the lawyers get pissed when you send them to Great Dental Websites? Um,
1: we well, we have like a couple of like experimental clients. Like, we have two attorneys and like six or seven like mental health. Oh, therapists. Do the attorneys
0: sue dentists? That's all I really want to know.
1: <laughs> no, no, none of our clients. That would probably be a conflict of interest. That for would us. be an odd,
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be an odd place to put you in. Especially a, if yeah.
1: one client was suing another. That'd I know. Yes, be... sir. We I mean, do have we do have one client, um, getting that was that seems to be getting sued by someone they um like sold part of their practice to they had a couple different locations mm-hmm. and um we were on like our, and they that person would call the office we had no business relationship with them and start asking very probing questions about like what work was done and who authorized what and when nice. and we're like yeah we're not going to answer these questions you know what? okay so that's interesting <laughs> doesn't though sound so, right? so okay so
0: basically you are you are a website guy you are sort of uh for what dentists know about it you are an IT guy Okay, dentists are are bound by uh, dentists are bound by a an, a code of ethics. Now, mind you, I don't think I have to say I shouldn't say this about my dental colleagues, but I'm not sure that we all exactly know what that means. We know we're bound by one. We're not exactly sure what that means. But so I've heard li- lately that like web people have tried to. Tried to like have people sign on to a web code of ethics. Tell me about that. Have you heard that before? Am I making not, this up? No,
1: I've never heard of this. I mean, in in principle, it sounds like a good it idea. Might be a, actually, it might have been. An,
0: it might have been like specific to search engine optimization code of ethics, which I, it sounds like the the height of irony to me, actually.
1: Yeah, it, well, it's it's kind of a funny thing because you're, you're trying to you're, you're trying to get a client to appear as highly as possible on Google, more or less. Mm-hmm. But you're trying to do it the right way which is what google says whatever google says really sure they kind of decide the ethics um of this and but there are ways to cheat and and make it work faster or more Mm -hmm. effectively they just end up getting you busted and your client ruined so that's probably the code of ethics that somebody's referring to Mm -hmm. Uh, we we try to do everything by the book just because we feel it's better in the long run and Oh, for sure it plat- is.
0: The, the crap deal is, though, is that the book, it's one thing to do it by the book when you actually have a book. The, for for yeah. a website, people, they just kind of have to figure it out, you know, basically.
1: Well, I mean, we, we've we been operating off this principle as a society for years. I mean, you, you go to the IRS and you're like, well, is this em- employee or a staff person of mine an employee or a contractor? And they're like, well, we here's some guidelines. And you're like, okay, so is it a majority of the guidelines? are like, no. They're like, well, is it three quarters of the guidelines? No, it's it's just. You know these are just guidelines it's, it's foggy
0: um, it's it's, be, it's beyond foggy yeah it's like well the other thing is is they're like just just go ahead and do it and we'll see how we'll see how it works out for you
1: <laughs> yeah I mean, the, the same thing happened um we opened an office in sydney australia um at the end of last year okay and we were trying to figure out whether or not we needed like what type of incorporation and like registration we had to do and at different levels there's different fees and the guidelines of the trade deal, we, we were just sitting in a conference room with attorneys and accountants, and they're just kind of debating about what we are. And we're like, well, isn't there a rule? They're like, no, there's no rule. There's, there's just guidelines. There's, so society there's guidelines. is just So basically, you can, be, with, so basically you can do everything
0: right and still be completely wrong. Don't worry about it. No worries. Just wait and see. Yeah, as
1: long as you have expense of enough lawyers to fight at it for That's a while. That's true. I think that's why the guidelines
0: are there. Yeah, well, I mean, like the, the dental boards. I think arguably any dentist who's run into problems with the dental boards would find that they they broke the rules, but they never really knew what the rules were in the first place. So, and that's either their fault for not knowing the rules, or more off more often than not, the rules are super foggy. And frankly, they judge whether you broke the rules after the fact. So it's kind of it's kind of a rotten deal that way. I've had a bunch of friends that have sort of run into that. So um, guidelines. I know it's guidelines. It's just guidelines. That's right. So you grew up. Well, your dad's a dentist, right? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Newark, Delaware. Okay, I can, can, can kind of hear that. I kind of hear that in your voice. For him. Okay, so how, how how many dentists in the? How many generations of dentists?
1: Um, I think just three generations, but there are eight dentists in my family total. My brother married a dentist, um. So we got my grandfather passed away, but then he married a dentist, so we're back up, get our numbers strong that's, again. That's right.
0: You guys are lousy with dentists, man. I don't know. It's it's a. uh a, you must have like the worst Thanksgivings ever with a bunch of dentists like that. Oh my gosh.
1: Well, yeah, I grew up kind of hearing whether I wanted to or not, like the business side of dentistry. Bet um, you, did. you know, sometimes they talk about clinical stuff and I kind of drift off to sleep. But, um, for the business stuff, I, I was always kind of entrepreneurial minded. Um, I, I remember I, the first business that started, I was, I think I was like seven or eight years old. Um, and so I was always kind of pointed that way. um, And so I always found it interesting to hear my dad and all of his brothers and
0: sister and uncle talk about
1: it. It's
0: really funny because um, entrepreneurs are, there's something in the genes, man, like the really good ones. And I have to tell you, I'm not, I'm not that at all. I just don't, I'm not, like I I wish that I were. And, And so many dentists are, they, first off, they went to dental school and they learned a trade that pays them really well. I mean, it's, they would, it's a profession, I know, but essentially they, you learn how to do it the same way that you learn everything else with repetitions and, you know, but it it pays pretty good when you're doing this. But so many dentists are interested in the side gig. It's like, it's like dentistry is not enough. You know what I'm saying? Like just, just, just doing dentistry is like not enough for so many of these people. And I'm sort of, my mind is sort of blown by that. Like. I mean, you you probably know a little bit what I'm talking about. Whether that's people who are have a have a thing for for websites well, I, or electronics. I electronic don't think you're
1: giving yourself enough credit. I mean, you uh, you own a, a dental business. Yep. A dental practice. You have the Dental Hacks podcast. So mm-hmm. you have a media company, mm-hmm. and now you've created another one. A media this, company. that I'm on right now.
0: I like the sound well, of that media company.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, look look, look what you're doing with the uh, the Facebook groups. Um, if you don't think that's valuable, and yeah, that's, it's valuable. You know, it's but uh,
0: just like everything that I've done in my entire life, it may be valuable, but it was not planned. It was, <laughs> it was, oh, it, was stu- it was stumbled upon completely, completely. There's a, a lot of great businesses that are like that. Yeah, I. But you know, you want to. What if I'm? If I write my story, I'm going to have to retrofit it, right? I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to say that you know when I took over the world of dental podcasting and and uh, became the world's greatest dentist, and I'm going to have to retrofit it like I planned it that
1: way. It's going to be a big
0: retrofit I, I, I too. I don't
1: think you have to. Yeah. I, I mean, you, I, like, I, I find it more, almost more entertaining to hear about people like stumbling into success through, you know, good luck or perseverance or just good timing or like an instinct. I guess. Um, and maybe, maybe that's just what you have. You don't have the facilities to plan things really well, but you just have an instinctual, um, knack for
0: it. Yeah. I wish I could show you my facilities. My facilities are, are a a dark corner of a basement right now. That's the facilities, but I pay very little rent. I'll say that there's something to be said about that.
1: We don't want the mature rating on
0: iTunes. I know, right. We're going to, we're going to keep this audio so no one has to see that. That's right. So uh, I guess what's funny about that though, is that like, I think a lot of people would assume that I'm entrepreneurial in spirit, when in reality yeah. is I, I, I more like to play with tape recorders, like I did when I was in fourth grade. You know, it's more—I was—like, when we started this stuff, we were just goofing around. Like, we didn't realize that, that we would actually, like—it would actually, like, take off in any kind of way. But I have to say that, like, I didn't also base my, my income and lifestyle on the idea of doing podcasts. Now, my lifestyle is every time we get the kids to go to bed, I go down to the basement and record on my computer. You know, it's sort of—again— it's incredibly glamorous, I'll give you that. But uh Worst things you can do in the basement when your kids are <laughs> Ah, it's true. It's true. I I, I don't have like a, I don't have a dungeon down here. I'm not Dexter or anything like <laughs> that. It's sort of a uh, <laughs> But Beesh. it is it is funny. Like so you, it sounds like you have had sort of this entrepreneurial bent forever. Like that's been your thing. So tell me about that.
1: Uh yeah, I mean my the first business I started, I think I was 7 and I uh I, I was created like a netflix for video games i for remember my you told us
0: about this you got in deep trouble if I
1: remember yeah. yeah yeah basically i convinced all the kids to let me keep their video games at my house which was awesome yeah as a seven-year-old and then they could come over and borrow the any other games for free and people who weren't part of the system would give me like a quarter or something but i, I lost the master list keeping track of who had what game and yeah. it became a neighborhood controversy and then it was like you an, know, I, I did I, enron scale
0: ahead. enron scale mess <laughs> up i get it it's not-
1: well, it wasn't deliberate. It wasn't fraud. It was it was more incompetence um, and sloppy record keeping. Um, but, <laughs> welcome. The, to my uh, life. <laughs> yeah. So the um, and then after that, I you know I mowed lawns like a lot of other kids. And when I was in college, I started a, um, a business that manufactured these attachments for ski lifts um, to better accommodate snowboarders. And that was the first like real company I started. Wow, and we manufacturing. Sold- that's
0: like in college, no less. Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, we got—I got like a grant um, from some foundation. Really? Like a didn't, snow, I, I didn't know snowboarders
0: had foundations. It's just not—it's not, it's not they, very snowboarder to me.
1: They gave us like uh, I think like it, was, it wasn't much. It was like maybe twelve grand or so, um, but it was enough to like you know if you don't really have any expenses to um, start a company when you're in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had access to all, all the equipment, so we had you know like. Half a million dollar uh- con- computer controlled milling machines that we had access to we had um, uh like laser like uh water jets to cut uh, plastic um we had three d printers and we had all sorts of you know we we had the kind of equipment that would have taken a million dollars in funding to acquire um so we we made those we we, we built an injection mold um, we mass produced them and sold them to ski resorts on the east coast uh, but we couldn't get the company to take off and eventually we we sold the rights to some distributor and that then it just kind of withered away. Um after that I did consulting and just kind of did like bespoke um software development when I lived in San Francisco. And that was when I started Great Dental Websites and the idea there was to create this um software platform for building and managing dental websites. Mm-hmm. My theory was you know dentists like my dad and my uncles were they're all spending money on developing websites mm-hmm. and maintaining them and hosting them and all that. And then up, upgrading them over the years too, um, and it would be, make more sense if we pulled that money together. Um, we could make better websites and keep the keep them updated more frequently. So that became Great Dental Websites, which is a service to to do just that: to pull all the money together and build a cool website platform for dentists.
0: What's interesting about that? I remember you like every time I tried to figure it out, I'm like, okay, so you're using WordPress to do this, right? And you're like, nope. You sort of built your own, you have your own content management yeah, system, if, if and that's that's the Matt, difference.
1: Yeah, if Matt Mullenweg from WordPress, if his ambition was to create WordPress just for dentists, then that that's kind of what we, we set out today. Why, so why, we set wasn't
0: the, why, wasn't, why wasn't it? I mean, we're pretty important, just saying. Uh,
1: well, it, it, it really, to be honest, wasn't. Um, I thought that I could create a local marketing platform. I had a lot of experience doing um, marketing. For, I was always the, the guy in engineering that got sent to go deal with the marketing people Mm -hmm. because nobody else talked to them. (laughs) Um, But I always found it interesting. Um, So I absorbed a lot of marketing expertise. And I was always the liaison between engineering um, and marketing and all these companies that worked in San Francisco. And so I I thought I could make a local marketing platform that would appeal to uh, probably like 20, maybe 30 different industries. But dentistry was kind of supposed to be my beachhead but it became, you know, the core of the business. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've never really left dentistry and there's just more to do. We keep acquiring clients there. Um, We push into international markets and we, we every year we're like, yeah, should we go open another company and go into a different vertical market? And there's, there's just too much to do with dentistry. And it just seems uh, easier to keep going in this direction. I mean, at some point I'm sure we'll do it, but it's dentistry still like 98% of our business.
0: Isn't that funny? And, it's, and, and you got all these dentists
1: in your family, and you ended up here. It's kind of, it's kind of wacky. I, yeah, I know. I ran from it for a long time. I, I didn't want to be a dentist, um, and I, I wanted to do kind of my own thing. But uh, this was a great opportunity, and um, I thought we could do it, and we've, we've been rather successful.
0: So knowing that you've, been, you've had this entrepreneurial bent kind of going through your life, like <laughs> now that you've got it, you've basically you've been doing this, this dental website thing for some time now. And it, yeah uh, my my understanding about entrepreneurs is stuff gets stuff doesn't stay fresh that long for them like they're always on to the next thing. Now not that's a generalization clearly I'm painting with a pretty broad brush but like would you say that's true or not necessarily in other words are you
1: Yeah uh, there, there's truth to that but you can do that within a company. Um so like I I mean my whole career has been trying to start a company, failing, um getting a real job to make my money back and you know pay off debts if I had them or just have a normal standard of living again um and then once I built up enough of a nest egg trying it again and I did that a couple times before it was you know uh successful um and yeah I've been doing great on UpSide it's almost been 10 years now I think and but my focus in the company has shifted quite a bit um I I wrote all the software Originally, but I haven't written any code in three years. My development team kicked me out, Um, and they they won't let me in there. So I've I've shifted my focus to marketing and business development. So there's being on podcasts, that sort of thing. Yeah, media media appearances, publicity, you know. Um, And so there's always new things that I haven't tried yet that I don't think I'm good at yet that are a challenge that keep keep it interesting. And if you're running a company, you have the ability to kind of hire people to do the things that you don't like and shift your focus to the things that you think you can make an impact in or, or interesting.
0: All right. So I'm going to pose, I'm going to pose a, a question to you. It's one of our segments that you, you told me you might be interested in. I'm, I want you to think okay. back a little bit, think back to a time where if you could go back and talk to yourself, what might you say? We call it the single use time machine. Oh. You only get one chance to change your past. How do you use it? Do you convince yourself that law school would have been a better choice, or do you go back in time to stop a horrible Mexican food incident? You only get one chance with the AME single-use time machine. What are you going to do with it? So remember, you can't go back in time and kill Hitler, because that would be too easy. You have to be able to talk to yourself. You get one use of the time machine, and you get to to talk to yourself and try and convince yourself of something or change something. So there you go.
1: On that note, everybody is convinced that, like, oh, you could go back and kill Hitler, and save all these lives, and stop World War II. I don't think it would matter much. I think those kinds of trends in history are kind of on that course, and you have political leaders who kind of seize hold of them. Um, but if it wouldn't have been him, it would have been somebody well, else. What
0: you're saying is Hitler had friends. That's just what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Hitler yeah. had pals that thought the same way. So, you, yeah. you,
1: would have had, you would have had to kill like, a lot of people.
0: I know, and all of a sudden you become this You become yeah. this psychopath. Yeah, exactly. A psychopath, and you're not even in your own time. I mean, it's a, it's a rough gig. So where would you so, go back in time, and what would you tell yourself? And would you I have mean, listened?
1: No, and, and I think that, um, uh, you know, I— it, it, it's it's really difficult to go back in time and, and tell yourself something, and because you have these preconceived notions and these beliefs, and you can hear something, you can get great advice, but you don't believe it. Um, But always, if I could, it's so true. It's one hundred percent. That's that's why this is this is
0: fun yet completely useless because there's no way I would have listened to myself.
1: I like I, I guess that if I if I could convince myself, I'd tell myself to stop trying to start companies. Before you really have the knowledge and you're, you're, you're learning the hard way. Go work at a big company for like three years and then just do it. Um, if it, if it wasn't something that was, if I was going to do something for humanity, um, I'd probably go back to like, when did, I think like, I think it was, I looked this up the other day. I think Caesar went into Alexandria in like 47 or 48 BC. And that was when the library burned down. And and we I feel like humanity got set back a couple hundred years when we lost that library. Yeah, but um, he
0: wouldn't have listened to you either, though, is the thing. So,
1: well, I I would go in like a year before and invent the printing press because oh, I feel go. like you had all the technology to do it back then. You just have to you got to carve out the letters, um, and then you just need a press, and then we just need some parchment, and we just start pressing. We go. just make some copies and, and get it around because I don't think they did it on purpose. I think it was an accident during the looting. Well, so I mean, if that happened, probably,
0: I'm thinking if that happened, the internet would have been invented another fifty years earlier, probably. Don't you think? It wouldn't it wouldn't have brought everything forward?
1: Uh who knows? Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> we have no idea what was in there. Um, but I, I've always been um, I, I've I've read a lot about uh, from like alternative historians that have postulated that there was a previous civilization that existed before the last ice age and it got wiped out. Um, and I wonder how much of that made it over uh, to like, uh, you know, historical documents that y- you just couldn't preserve on paper for more than a couple thousand years. Um, I'm, I've always been fascinated um, by some of those theories and some of the archeological evidence for them. So that, that's uh, something that personally I would love to know. And um, if I'm, if it's correct or who, who knows what was in there, it had to be something useful. They had like forty thousand, or four hundred thousand documents.
0: So you don't think it was like just knock knock jokes and stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. that well, would
1: can, be you, can you? Can you imagine just all these terrible Greek jokes?
0: I know. Can you imagine if you used your single use time machine, and went back, and that's all that it was—like really bad jokes and stuff? Like, I'd, oh be, so know, like, I'd really? be so pissed. I know. Like, really, I used the time machine for this? Come on. Oh, or just great. like recipes for like bak- <laughs> <laughs> baklava, exactly. It's just Greek cuisine of Damn, seriously, seriously, Philo yeah. dough. Is that what we're talking about here? Oh man, that's rough. That is rough. <laughs> right. I-, I like that. I like, but I-, I do agree though. When you're going back and trying to tell yourself something, like clearly for me, I mean, everyone. This is the worst kept secret in the world. But I had a- I had a drug problem about 15 years ago. And so I said, for twenty years ago, go back and tell yourself to no, don't do this. And I'm like, no one goes into that thinking they're going to have a problem, right? It's that it doesn't it doesn't work that way. So you, I don't know. And the other thing is, you'd be kind of freaked out to see an older, fatter version of yourself trying to explain things to you, right? It's like
1: <laughs> that would be tough. Well, I, I mean, like my, my body in its current form might be enough to scare us <laughs> that, for a twenty, right? Like, yes, exactly. My my yeah, current yeah, form could, could be right, a, my my hair has gone.
0: <laughs> I could be a horrible warning to myself.
1: I wouldn't even have to say anything. I'd just show up and i go, oh, my God. That's exactly right. So true. Yeah. be like, is anything better? They're like, well, Do you have more money? I'd be like, well, not enough that you'll think it's cool right now. <laughs> exactly. It's, I mean, it's a, we're not at a level where, yeah, exactly.
0: Frankly, I'm kind of a yeah. disappointment to you at this point. There's been a lot of inflation, too. So <laughs> yeah. Even less. Yeah. So this is this is tough. This is tough. No, that was quite good. I think you did very well with the time machine, considering considering the limitations and everything like that. So this is something I am interested in, and I'm I'm put you on the spot here because I want to know what a guy who owns and and started a company that does. I mean, you are a relatively big player in the whole website thing. What's a regular day? What's a regular day for you? Like, and here's the thing. I'm going to do the the segment intro again. So just hold tight. Yeah. The Alan Mead Experience. Fly on the wall. You see, I did all these sound effects. I really want to make sure I get them used. <laughs> but, but,
1: but <laughs> it's, it's bordering on like the the uh, morning. Bob and Tom in the morning. <laughs> I know exactly. Traffic on the I seventy five is exactly. So, <laughs> so what? So what? Uh,
0: what do you do? Like, what's what are your days? I know you're traveling to Australia like crazy because you're opening up there. What? What? But what's like a regular day for for Jeff Gladnick?
1: Yeah, I, I I do travel quite a bit. I I think I've I'll be in like 6 or 7 countries by June of this year. Um and I I fly over 100,000 miles a year. Uh and a lot of it's for work. Um but um so I mean a normal day uh like besides the boring stuff of like checking emails and you know occasionally uh our clients will email me um because they they you know just knew me from a long time ago and uh, I try to help them. So I usually get a couple customer uh, issues that I pass along to a staff member to just quickly answer. But uh, we're trying to work on business development deals. Um, I've been c- consumed with trying to find a new office space lately uh, because we outgrew ours. Um, but it's, it's really just looking around with opportunities. And this is a huge struggle as an entrepreneur is trying to – because nobody's telling you what to do with your time. Um, and you have to figure that out. And I feel like a lot of times the, the days I'm wasting my time and I'm not doing something effective. It feels like really only like one day a week. I really felt like I got a good value out of myself. Um, and the rest of the days I'm trying to figure out what to do or what opportunities to take because I like I hate gambling. Um, I go to, I'll go to Las Vegas and I was just there for the, the Dental Town meeting and I don't play the casino at all. Like I'm, I'll maybe play like fifty dollars on blackjack or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm but i'm perfectly comfortable betting you know tens of thousands of dollars on new projects or um things like that and it's it's kind of a a perverse uh, or paradoxical thought but cuz i gamble all the time and that's that's what i do now i just yeah, gamble but, but
0: the, it's a little different kind of gamble though because it's like it's not like it's not like you're rolling the dice you have a little bit of background in there so that you're 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 able to kind of yes it's a gamble but it's not like I mean, it's not like you're hitting on seventeen or something like that,
1: you yeah, I mean? but it, i mean it's it's not assured um and you can you can put money down and, on a project or new a new expansion or something you think clients will love and and then it ends up being a waste i mean there's there's a bunch of features we built into the software platform that nobody uses Tell, okay, time- interesting,
0: okay, dig into that. I want to hear about that because it's frankly it's kind of nice to know that like like dentists are probably listening to them and going that never happens in dentistry, except yes, it does. look at that stupid closet of stupid items you bought at meetings because it was going to revolutionize your practice and you don't use them like you know how many how many how many different kinds of endophiles have you bought over the years because everyone told you it was going to change your life and it didn't and and that's a little different kind of gamble but it's sort of the same way you're putting money down on something that doesn't end up panning out so
1: like what what kind of stuff have you have you tried that didn't work that you were sure was going to work the, the worst fail because this is a question we ask people during interviews is what was the worst kind of failure or mistake you created in your career and how did you try to mitigate it and you know usually there's some some kind of bad mistake that everybody's done and that they can remember the one the worst one that i did when i was doing the uh snow rhino business the ski lift thing i uh i approved the mold um our injection our first injection mold and it cost forty thousand dollars
0: wow that
1: was a huge amount of our capital huge amount It was, it wasn't quite half, but it was close. And within two weeks, it was worthless. And we realized we had, um, we, we had, we had not fully taken into account the different types of ski lifts Uh that this thing had to attach to. We were just kind of looking at a couple different ones that we saw in like Pennsylvania and New York. And once we expanded our reach a little bit and we're like, oh my God, like in New York, Vermont, like the Rockies, like they're using totally different equipment and our stuff doesn't fit. It's useless. And we had to trash it. It makes me it super 40, uncomfortable. Just $40,000. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my god. And then, I mean, there's, there's been lots of little things at this, at my at grid dental websites now where, you know, we spend, and, and a lot of times the biggest costs are, you know, when we make a, a poor choice in hiring and somebody doesn't work out and, um, they leave or we let them go. And it, it fortunately doesn't happen often, but you know, you see, you know, ten fifteen twenty thousand $20,000 go out the window. Yeah. with Uh, or marketing projects that don't pan out, or things like that. And I, every time I tell my wife about these, she's like, "Oh man, we could have bought X." And I'm like, "Yeah, but you're not you're not you looking at any of the no, expenses here." I know that's
0: the other thing is is that when you have someone who's who's just outside far enough to point out the the hideous stupidity, it's it's it's. I mean, honestly, I, I get it. My wife, uh, I mean. A lot of times she can see things plenty clearly, and the problem is like when you're in the thick of it, it's hard to do. I do. I want to go back on something though. Interestingly, dentists I think can probably understand where you're coming from with the, with the the person who's killing the morale of your your office. Uh, you'll have one staff member, sometimes more than one, but one staff member that's really brings everyone else down. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. in a spot right now where I don't have that, but we've had that before. And what happens is dentists. I mean, there are some dentists who are quick to fire, and honestly. God bless them because they they're probably right. But some dentists like me are like, oh, they drag it out. They they're so they dread the the actual people people part of it where you have to be face to face and tell them they're done and and you keep hoping they'll get better and you keep you make excuses for them. And while you're of course all the whole time you're shooting you yourself in the foot, you're shooting your team in the foot, and you drag it out. So in some ways, you know, it's like you lose the money and the time that you've you lost with having the per you know having to lose the person. But then again. I mean, in the dental office, it gives you another chance to do it right, but it's it's like it's hard to see it until you do it. Have you ever run into that where you've hung on to someone longer oh, than you I, should?
1: I, absolutely. Um, and, but on the other hand, there's been uh, we've had staff that had a couple of problems at the beginning, and we worked with them, and they become great contributors, and they're still with the company and doing really well. And I'm really glad that we have them, and we're lucky to have them. So that can go both ways, but yeah, I mean, there, there were a couple... And it's just because I I think it's because you're a human being and you care about people and you want to give people a chance. You want to be fair. You make excuses in your head for why they aren't succeeding or why other people don't like them. And also you Uh, want to avoid
0: the discomfort of having to fire someone if you're me. Maybe maybe some people don't, but that makes me uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. I've never, ever enjoyed uh, letting somebody go. Um, That's, there was one, I I still feel bad about this. There is one uh, person we had hired and, I realized that we were going to have to let him go. And it, I had like been up the whole night before, like sick to my stomach. I couldn't sleep. I walked in that day, and um, he he didn't get in until like later for some reason. And my staff called me for a, a meeting in one of the conference rooms. And I walk in there, and there's a giant cake. And then I remembered it was my birthday. And, they had, and the guy <laughs> served me a piece of cake. And I was like, oh, God, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Like, I had to punt it till like Monday or something. I couldn't do it. Um, oh my gosh! Banned. Actually, this but, kind of, it's kind of like
0: the picture is awesome in my mind, but what an awful thing! Jeez.
1: Because I'm, I'm thinking to myself like, okay, fine, we'll we'll do this impromptu meeting that everybody's telling me I have to go to, mm-hmm. and no one wants to tell me what it's about until we get in. I'm, I'm like getting annoyed with people. Yeah. Like, what, what is this? Like, I, I need to do something, and and I, where, where's so and so? I need to talk to them, and then I go, oh, he's he's in that meeting too. <laughs> oh, uh, great. And he's singing happy birthday to me. I felt so horrible. I felt so horrible.
0: That's rule number one. You can't fire someone the same day that they sing happy birthday to you. It's, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. certain things you can't do. Human decency doesn't allow it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's kind of awesome. So so you, you have run into the same thing. Any dentist owner uh, has has run into the same thing for sure. Actually, probably even associates have realized that they should be getting out of the situation and they don't cause it's hard to move on. Like basically any dentist at any point can probably run into that situation. Yeah,
1: well. I, I don't know how to get better at that. I mean, our strategy has just been to hire people that mesh well and are a good cultural fit and get along with the team. And that gets harder and harder. We're up to, we have like, like 36 or 37, wow. like full time people now. Wow! And it's, it becomes really difficult to manage that many people and to make sure everybody's getting along. And like, you know the cozy you little can't family. can't make. You, that's
0: the thing. You can't make sure everyone's getting along. There's
1: only so much you can do as a human being, right? I mean, you have uh, to. Uh, I mean, if it, now now you have to have like policies and procedures, and people are upset because you know something's not quite clear. Um, and you know sometimes it's like being a parent. Um, but we've we've been really lucky, and uh, you know everybody we bring in um, has been a really good cultural fit that's um, still with us. Uh, but that's the only way I can see how to do it. And I don't know how you make that work at a hundred people or more yeah. where it seems impossible to have everybody be a good cultural. How step. do you,
0: okay. So how is your hiring process so that you can tell they're going to be a good fit? Like, do you bring them in? Do you have group interviews? Do you, what do you do? Cause I mean, I, you ask any dentist, every dentist has a different idea of the right way to bring someone in to tell if they're going to mesh. And I've done it about 10 different
1: ways and I I still am not sure what the best way is. Well, the way we do it, there's a phone interview with whoever the hiring manager is. Mm -hmm. Um, And this usually comes into like two or three people that are doing the phone calls. Um, And they get through kind of the – oh, there's first an email screening. Um, And we always put – just to make sure people follow directions, I got this from an old boss. um, We'll put – we'll insist that they put something random in the subject. Like, please put the word molar in all caps in the subject line of your email. So we know that you can read instructions and we'll just, bur- we'll bury that in like the bottom of the job post. And so right away, that's not like a, a death sentence if you don't do it, but it's a red flag. Oh, yeah. Uh, nice. And so we have the email screening. We figure out who we think looks good on paper. How often? Uh, okay. So
0: be honest. How often do they miss it? That's what I want. I totally miss oh, that. Probably like I, 20, I'm horrible. 20, 30%, but, uh, I read the first, I read the first 25% of the email and then I skim the rest because I, I just don't, because I'm a horrible person, I'm pretty sure is what it is. But um, I would totally miss that. I'm sure. I'm sure. But that's I like that. That's like the green M and M's for Van Halen and stuff like that. I like. Yep. That.
1: Yep. Well, I, I missed it too on a job application, <laughs> and and I previously worked there as like a summer intern. And I'm like, really, you're not going to hire me because of that. And and so that was the one change we made. We're not dogmatic about it. It's just kind of like a red flag. Um, and so then there's a phone screening. So e- every, every
0: new dentist that's listening right now is writing this down.
1: Read the entire thing.
0: So every dentist now is going to put one of these things in there.
1: <laughs> I like I, that, though. It's good. I, I think you should. I mean, it tells you right away if someone has a good attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 the Van Halen trick you're referencing was in, like, Van Halen's um, Concert Rider, for people who don't know this, it was some, like, color of M&Ms. Let's just call it green. Um, and they said, you know, we don't want any green M&Ms in the bowl. And they had like a hundred other things on the list, mm-hmm. and m m's didn't matter at all. It was just a canary in the coal mine test to see if they had done everything else, yeah, because if they went in and there were green m and m s then they obviously hadn't read everything fastidiously, and now you've got to check the wires and the speakers yep. and the, the voltage to make sure everything's good because it 's amateur hour mm-hmm. so that and that 's exactly the way they behaved on their tour so it 's actually
0: quite genius it is genius and uh, i remember I remember hearing people like really get down on them. Like how grandiose are you that you do this? But I, when I heard the whole story, I'm like, that is really, that's really smart. It's like really smart. I like that.
1: So yeah, after, after the uh, phone screening, we bring them in and there's usually like three rounds of um, interviews. One is like the technical kind of challenge to make sure, can you do the work um, by their kind of their peers? Mm -hmm. Um, Then it'll be, and then there's a manager kind of sitting in the whole process and then the next part will be um, kind of the ma- the manager of like other of another department, and that manager's kind of figure out like how well they're going to play with others. And then the last round is me and um, some, like another staff person pulled at random, um, and we'll try to assess a cultural fit. Um, I still interview everybody that comes in, and I, th- I think that's important um, as long as you can do it. But so far so good. That's since we've adopted that process, we've had. You know, very few problems. We have like an intern to hire program that that does a good job of like finding good fits, and then we get a, a good look at them, and, and they get a good look at us, and decide it's the place they want to work.
0: That's, I mean, it's it's a that uh, it sounds thorough, and it's funny because I think I think dentists in hiring want to believe that they're being thorough, and typically they're so many times they're hiring because there's a hole, you know, that they got to fill. So they feel oh, yeah. the, they feel the That's pressure, cool. you know, and and that may be the same with you too, but. It's tough. Sometimes it's tough because you you're like dying for the person to be in there. And uh, so you you make the decision
1: on the fly or or you're making it faster than you would if you weren't under that pressure. It's a mess. It's it's I can give some very good advice about this because I've learned it the hard way a couple of times. If you're forcing a hire and saying, look, this is the best person we got and nobody's really happy about it. But you're like, we all agree we need to hire somebody, 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 Let's, let's hire this person. It's almost always a terrible mistake, mm-hmm. um, because what ends up happening is you let that person go three months, and now you've you could have spent you know another month or two or three searching for the perfect person and having them. But now you're three months later, you're back to where you were. you've wasted money on this person, you yep. wasted other people's time and training on this person. Mm-hmm. They may have negatively affected your business. Um, they may have been a bad seed in your office and uh, pissed off a patient or done bad work. Or, you know, not brought in new patients if they were at the front desk. So never hire someone because you have to. Pay people, you know, a little bit extra to stay later. Give them some perks like dinner or something if they have to stay a little later and you're expanding your hours or something. But don't force a hire just because you have to. Um, I think you'll regret it. Yeah. I,
0: I'm going to tell you that that's true. I think probably a lot of dentists can tell you that that's happened to them specifically too. It's It's tough because... Uh, and, and in some cases, the 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 you know pool of people you can choose from is relatively small, and so it feels a little desperate, you know. But I think that's probably a good good point. Never hire, you know, don't hire under the gun. And and honestly, dentists kind of have a position too that, uh, at least like depending on the on the position, you can kind of hire, you can kind of keep temporaries in there in dentistry if you have to when you're looking for the right person. That's it's not, yeah, it's it's, not it sucks t- actually. Yeah, say, hire a temp. Yeah, I mean when you can get away with it that's probably the right thing to do at least while you're working. And the other thing I think dentists in general are kind of terrible at hiring cuz they they'd rather spend their time doing something else. But almost no person has a practice big enough that they have someone handling their HR for them. It's kind of a mess.
1: So um, I I think that's going to change. Um I mean the way I I see I see a lot of the pressure from corporate dentistry on practices that my dad and my brother and my uncles and aunt um, ran and my grandfather, and I think one of the best defenses of this is to partner up with a couple other dentists. Mm-hmm. And if you get past the personality clashes, um, because we've had to deal with a couple like dental divorces, where yeah. the client pulls us up and they're like, "So, so and so and I are splitting up, and uh, we need to divide the website. And uh, we decided that I get it, and he's going to start anew. And and we're like, okay, and it's a bit of a SEO mess, but if you can make it work and have good partners, you can scale a lot better. Um, you have you don't have a single point of failure in the dentist. If you get sick, you know somebody else can cover for you easier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my dad would do that informally with my my uncle and my aunt um, back when I was a kid. But uh, it, you can buy a lot more equipment. You can buy a comb beam. You can buy a Sarric machine. Mm-hmm. Um, you can buy a lot more higher end equipment. You can have a better office in a nicer part of town with you know on a nicer piece of real estate. Um, I, did, okay, did, I'm picturing what you're saying. You Are these in the same data? in the same town?
0: Are you talking in the same town? Are you talking different towns? You're talking. No, no, there's no, so also, many different is, ways to do if it. it.
1: If if it's a big enough town that can support it, um, I would have a couple of different dentists in the same office, mm. and and then leverage those shared resources. It's and you can also have standard hours. You can have weekend hours. Um, there's a ton of advantages to doing it that way. I I just see a lot of dentists resistant to doing it that way. Um, because they wanted to be their own boss, but you know, but what, I I think that's still the best, uh, I I think it's the best choice for, I'm I'm eager to hear opinions to the contrary.
0: Well, here's the thing. I think, I think a lot of people love the idea. And then a lot of people like me have really only known being in with like, like the advantages are obvious. I've, I've kicked it around with a lot of other dentists in the past and it's just never quite worked out because. I think we're so used to having our own way. And honestly, I have to tell you, I even think I could do things not the way that I'm doing them. Uh, but it's just like when you're used to it, it's almost like if you can start out doing that earlier in your career, you're going to be better off. Because let's be honest, I, it's harder to shift halfway through when you're used to doing it one way. Not impossible by any means, but it's just like a, I think I agree. And I also have to say that the people that have partnerships or group practices that are working that are not necessarily full-on corporate – I know that there a lot of them are very functional; they take more time off too because they they kind of have that that flexibility or something Get, really great about that
1: it, yeah and i and I guess I, I think the the attitude of younger dentists coming out of dental school is changing, and there's a lot more uh dentists coming out of dental school so the the pressure I think on you know dentists to market or market themselves mm-hmm. or reduce costs or share costs, all of which are beneficial in a group practice, is going to go up. And it, it, it might take a while, but I, I see this in Australia already, um, where insurance companies can own uh, dental practices. Oh imagine if there's like Delta Dental, the dentist office. Uh,
0: I, I can, I can um, imagine it, to be that, honest. That, I can. That's,
1: that's real. Um, that's, that's in Australia right now. Um, Bupa Dental has clinics.
0: That's horrifying. Okay, we're wrapping it up pretty close, so I have to do this to you.
1: I want to scare people at the end.
0: No, that's right. No, that's all right. You're not going to scare them because you're going to do the 90-second perfect pitch. Hold your breath, get ready. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, what am I, what am I pitching? You've whatever you got want. You've a minute and a
0: half to sell the Allen Mead Experience audience anything you want. <coughs> An idea, a product, a service, a used car, whatever you like. But you have to stop when you hear my ass. <coughs> Welcome to the 90-second perfect pitch. Ready, set,
1: Okay, I'll I'll clock myself here, so I I guess I'll I'll try to convince, uh, there's a lot of uh, heat that I get from a lot of our competitors that you should use WordPress, or you need to maintain the independence of your website, and I've long believed that it's more beneficial to everybody to use a platform. Um, The reason we did it that way, and the reason I forced my family members um, to do it that way, was not to lock people in, but because you can share resources. if everybody's pulling their money, if you and 500 other dentists like our client base are pulling all their money together to build an awesome website software that you get to use, you get a lot of free stuff. You, you get a lot of free upgrades. You get a lot of features that you would never have thought of that some dentist saw on somebody else's website and emailed to us and got jealous and said, can you build this? And you get that for free. And I, I mean, I've already let go of a lot of things that you used to keep on yourself. My my accounting is in the cloud, I, I use Zero. I get free stuff, I use Gmail for email, my email's locked up by Google. But the benefits of going in that direction are well-precedented by the industry, and I think it's worth considering. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's really my pitch. Uh, Really, I would consider using a platform for your marketing and for your website especially.
0: That's interesting, and uh, wait for it, you're getting the countdown.
1: Six, five, four, three, two, one. All I right. didn't
0: optimize my time. I know. That's right. You, you had time for a cup of coffee, something like that. Listen, Jeff Gladnick of Great Dental Websites, thank you for spending some time with me today. And if, they, if they're looking for you, what's the best way to get hold of you?
1: Well, you can just Google Great Dental Websites or go to greatdentalwebsites.com. Um, you can email me, Jeff, at greatdentalwebsites.com. And I'm on Dentaltown, too. And I'm in the Dental Hacks Facebook group. So you can just uh, hit the at sample and start writing Jeff Gladnick, and it'll probably give me an alert or something
0: nice. on Facebook. Very good, man. Thank you very much for spending some time with me. We'll catch you again
1: soon. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right. If you have any questions or comments for me, please email me at allen at thealanmeadeexperience.com, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you a lot for listening. Tell your friends about the show. Go to iTunes. Give me your review. Give me some stars. I need that stuff. And we'll talk to you again real soon.